Sound of Hockey episode 187. We're calling this one the Ron Francis episode. Ooh, why are we calling it that, John? You know, he was pretty good at hockey. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but he's the general manager of the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, I've heard of but him. But more importantly, <laughs> he was drafted in the NHL by the uh-huh. Hartford Whalers. Uh-huh. Fourth overall. Oh, okay. So this might be a little foreshadowing. Uh-huh. Don't want to get ahead the cart before the horse, but... <laughs> no uh, pressure, kid. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe we'll come back to that. Can't imagine what you're even inferring there, but we'll see (laughs) if we get to the bottom of that mystery at any point during this episode of Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown, at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Uh, Also, at Sound underscore Hockey Twitter intern, joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. (laughs) How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle. Bar Down Studios. Again. Again. Specific. Got a streak. I I enjoy when we do our podcast from down here. It feels so much more natural than the Zoom crap. I think it sounds Uh, better. I think so, too. Yeah. I think I so too. I think it's, you know, it just takes us up another notch. Now, I think there's a time and a place to do it remote and there's reasons that we need to do it remote. And I think it works out great when we do it when, remote. But yeah, when COVID is running rampant. That's, that's right. That's one reason. <laughs> that's yeah. right. I had my COVID about a month ago. That's so right. I feel mm-hmm. pretty good being down here with you guys. So um, anyway, uh, it's Sound of Hockey. Hey, we don't have a review this week. What? So Uh-oh. I know we had a, a good one last week from Hellcats, which... Much nicer than you would expect somebody named Hellcats um, <laughs> to write something. But uh, So if you haven't written your five-star review yet, uh, please do leave it on Apple Podcasts, and we will read it on the next show. Uh, let's dive right into some Kraken news, though. Okay, I think we might be getting to the bottom of this mystery. Okay, this mystery. Already. Yeah. So the Kraken did not win the draft lottery. Where did they land, Andy? They uh, went back from three to four uh-huh. to play the fourth overall pick. Okay. But And, and did you expect that to happen? Kind of. Yeah. That was their highest percentage. Right. The most likely position was fourth. Yeah. And we did kind of explain that, I think, on the last episode or maybe the episode before. Uh, But yeah, pretty much what was going to happen was the least likely scenario was for them to stay in the third spot. Uh, They could have moved up if they won the lottery to either the second spot or the first spot if they won either. It's two different drafts, right? Or two different draws. Yeah. Uh, but those were what, like 10, 11% each, I think. Yep. yep. Uh, and so the most likely spot was fourth, which was 40%, which is exactly where they landed. And pretty much everybody in the draft uh, lottery ended where they expected to, except for, I would say, the New Jersey Devils moved from five up to the yep. two spot. So that's a good position for them to be in, especially because this is what I think their third top two overall pick in six years, I believe, if I'm not yep. mistaken on that. So um, good move for them. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about what we kind of expect to happen now based on where the chips have fallen. So Montreal gets the number one pick. New Jersey gets the number two pick. Who do you guys think are going number one and two? Uh, and by number one and two, I mean positions number one and two, <laughs> not going to the bathroom. Go ahead, Andy, take it away. I, I will go with uh, Wright and Cooley one and two. <laughs> okay, got it. John? And Wright seems like the... The obvious choice. Uh, Cooley, I don't think, is like a lock at two, Mm -hmm. um, but he's probably a lock in the top five. Yeah, I've seen some people say Slavkovsky is the likely number two. So, And Slavkovsky is an interesting one because I think he's – I think there's two or three players. And this is – I also want to like back up and say like we're going to like project like we're these experts in (laughs) in, um, (laughs) prospects. But the reality is unless you're watching like 200 players all season – you really aren't a great prospect. So just keep that. We we read a lot 
and we study up and we watch video, but we're not scouts by any right. means. And well, neither are anybody out else out correct. there other people than who, a few. I mean, yeah, even the people who, who are, you know, the, the prospect gurus, right? Your Chris Peters, right? Is a good friend of ours. Yeah. Like you think about it, there's people that get drafted and think about Riker Evans, like nobody selected, nobody predicted Riker Evans, you know, and there's going to be guys that scouts see and love that the prognosticators out there just don't know about. Um, so yeah, I mean, whatever gets predicted, right. Sure. I'm, I have a, a feeling that it probably influences things a little bit. I think the amount of media hype that Shane Wright has gotten as people calling him, Oh, there's no question. He's going to be the number one. Like, Montreal, first of all, the draft is in Montreal, right? So they're in kind of this weird spot where what if they don't think Shane Wright is the best guy, right? And they pick somebody else. That's And then that guy doesn't work out as well. And all of a sudden, you know, they're (laughs) going to be feeling shame for for eternity. So the safe bet is Shane Wright and then go, well... Everybody had Shane Wright number one. And Mm -hmm. and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And Shane rhymes with shame. Oh. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. The thing I, with those online people, unless I mean, even even ones that are really good, like you mentioned, Chris Peters, who does watch a lot of tape and a lot of games, yes, and travels to watch prospects. None of those people watch these these prospects as much as the NHL team does. The NHL team has sometimes a crew of six or seven scouts who all go out and see these guys multiple times yeah, and before they, cover they invest money in areas. And, yes, yeah. and they mm-hmm. all get together. They talk about it. It's not just like they're not just watching grainy YouTube videos, like. You know, like like we do, <laughs> which only, but, show, the, but even which only that, show the highlights of the player. Like, even like, that's a little tough because, you know, one guy, like you said, Darren, is, is kind of like he covers Scandinavia or Europe or whatever, mm-hmm. right? But how do you compare him that plays in a totally different league, yeah. totally different, you know, set of scenarios to somebody who plays in the Western League or I've college? I've always wondered how that yeah. works out. And then when you're in that room with all the scouts, right, like how, I'd love to be a fly on the wall to understand how those conversations go where you're like, well my guy is outstanding, right? <laughs> and then the guy who covers Western Canada or whatever is like, well, my guy is also outstanding. Yeah, right? like how do they, yeah, how my do they have more outstanding? How yeah. do they have like productive conversations? I mean, I'm sure they do, yeah. right? I think though, as they start whittling down their list to like three or four guys, I mean, it's not just the scouts from that region. Like Robert Cron will go view the guy sure. a bunch of right. times. But and we're so only, will Francis himself. Yeah, so and that's th- probably, those guys see him too. And bringing it back to the fourth overall, what's nice about like the first round pick, particularly if you're high, um, is that <laughs> high in the draft? Yeah, yeah. And I feel high. like I need to clarify this. Yeah. If you're high in the okay. draft, all right. Mm-hmm. If you're high, no, you may pick up pick something really wacky. You know, like you know how many players are going to be available. To right? clarify, we're, we're not. Yeah, we're, we're not. not. Yeah. yeah, but the you know the second round it gets a little a little more spread out, and all of a sudden you know the Ron Francis or Robert Cron can't see those guys as much. They're going to probably sure. overemphasize the first round pick because you got to hit that first round. You gotta hit it. And one thing, I think my main point is, if, if Seattle takes somebody that you don't think or goes off the board a little bit, or takes somebody that you haven't heard of or I haven't heard of, or or what didn't think would go that, I mean, we've all kind of heard of the top guys. That doesn't mean that they've made a massive blunder. A record Evans is the best example. It means that that's a guy that they scouted and they liked. They liked. Yeah. It doesn't matter what. I, I, I and they say. thought other teams probably had the same opinion, right? And Maybe, they, yeah, or, or so. that, that's just what they they pick who they want to pick who they think is the. Is the I pick. just love I love the takes when people like fans get all mad about oh, that was who a they horrible didn't pick. pick. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> we won't know for five years, right? Yep. If it's a horrible pick or not, and somehow they know more than. Well, they watch a couple of YouTube videos that yeah, show the guy really yeah. ripping it up. So, uh, <laughs> can, can I bring you back, right? So. Mm-hmm. 
Slavkovsky's expected to go top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooley's probably top three. Obviously, Shane Wright's, you can, I'll say, 80% confident he's going to go number one. But then it gets pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have liked Joachim Kamel uh, for a bit. And then, you know, I've been watching YouTube videos <laughs> of Simon Nemitz. Um, mm-hmm. Simone Nemitz, I should say. Uh He's, Could be either way, I you know it. Well, the YouTube videos that I've seen, uh-huh. it's they Simone, Simone. Okay. Nemitz, Nemitz. Yeah. yeah, all right, we'll go with that. Um, it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, you wrote an article, Andy, about Savoy being in there, and mm-hmm. um, maybe a couple other players. He, but, he's an yeah. interesting prospect, just because there seems to be a wide swath of of opinions on him. Some people have him up in the second two or three picks. Some people have him middle of the first round. Yeah. yeah. So this is, again, it depends on what the teams, individual teams think of him, which which we don't know, obviously. They don't tell us. And so I have a question for you guys okay. um, that I've seen discussed a little bit since, since it was announced we're getting fourth. You're the Kraken. You're Ron Francis. Are you drafting, as they say, for a need or best on board? You know what's interesting? Uh, I think the answer, I mean, the Kraken are always, I think every GM is going to say best available, but I wonder if the thinking has shifted a little bit in recent years because of how quickly some of these kids make the jump to the NHL, right? Like, and, and, and we're not talking, you know, yeah, there's only a couple that will make the jump in year one, but there's usually quite a few that make it in year two, you know? And so if you're looking at it and you're like, well, I value these two guys exactly the same, Right. And maybe one of those guys is Simone Nemich, who is a right shot, right defenseman. Right. And you know that they need that. I know. That's the tricky one. So that's the tricky one. But yeah. I mean, he projects to be a top line defenseman. Right. So it's like, well, if that's the case and I value him the same as a guy who's a left wing. Right. Which left wings grow on trees compared to right shot, right defenseman. You know, I'm probably going to take Nemich, but I, I don't know. I just, and that's, that's kind of, I've, I've just wondered that recently if, if there's been any kind of a shift in thinking, cause I know the old, the, the typical response is always going to be, oh, we're going to take the best player available. And that makes sense. But it also, you know, think about baseball, right? You draft in baseball when they're 18, nobody's making that jump until, or even younger, right? And they're not making that jump for years. They have to go up through the minors, but like, you don't think about, oh, well, we're going to, we already have, have a guy to play center field, you know? So we don't need another center fielder. Like they don't even take that into account i don't think you know what i mean yeah and but i think that hockey has probably shifted a little bit and that it's gotten to be such a young league that they might take that into account a little bit more especially in the deeper rounds um when they're like all right we already have some organizational depth at center or at right wing or whatever we really need to fill out the blue line and maybe by the time those guys get there to the point that they're ready for the nhl the picture has changed completely at the nhl level Right. But I just wonder if that impacts their their decisions a little bit. And I do remember Robert Cron talking about that a little bit last year after the draft, too, that like, yeah, we want to make sure that we're we're getting guys at all positions. I think at the top of the draft, I think it's still mostly best player available for Particularly the first round. The right. Especially that, in the first that's round. Kind of my... But I would agree that in a case where you where you truly are valuing two prospects equally. That that would might help make a decision. Right. Okay. That's that's fair. But if right? you look at yeah. it, and you say we think Tramel or Savoy or whoever is leaps and bounds better than than Nemec. I think you take the the forward. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but I do think I do think a lot of teams will look at like, oh, we have no goalies in our system. We better grab one. <laughs> right. Know? Even if it's in the fourth round that, or it, it, that's we, where we don't have very many good wingers. You know, we should maybe get some more when but we it, can. It, it's so hard because. Other than that first pick, and and I'm talking like if you're in the top 15, you might not see them for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so you, even when like you see them, years, that yeah. that first year is not going to be the most. It's going to be protected minutes type thing. So, 
I think they're in the zone where they might pick a defenseman, not because they need defensemen, but because that's kind the, of best the, the best, that point, best yeah. available there. So yeah. it'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll and, I, mean, I mean, they might be in the position, too, where they get the best defenseman in the draft, right? Because right, like if the right. top three picks are all forwards, which it very well could shake out that way, if you're getting the very best defenseman in the draft, that's a, yeah. probably a good thing, right? Yeah. So, and if it's not, that's okay because that means one of the forwards slipped to right. four. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. But again, we all think he's the best defenseman in the, in the draft. That it depends on what they think. Well, we I, I think that because I read that's what Chris Peters <laughs> yes. thinks. So, <laughs> which brings us back to we don't we haven't yeah. watched enough to really. For me, know. when I read things, I, I get swayed easily. Like it, it comes and goes for me. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, Slavkovsky's made me nervous reading about him, and I I actually think that even sitting here today that he's got the highest bust potential in the top ten drafts. I mean, he, I, 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 I don't he's... want that to happen. No matter who, ta- I, I want all these prospects to shine because so, I like prospects. But... I think the thing about him is that he's he's big currently, right? Yes. So I think I kind of think about like Capo Caco a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I was super high on Capo Caco because he was big and built. He's like six four, looked and, yeah. ready for the NHL, but he hasn't really produce that much at the NHL level, right? He hasn't been a nope. star, whereas Jack Hughes looks like he's rounding out to be a star now. He's taking him some up. time, though. I know, right? but he's gotten, yeah. he's he's physically matured yeah. since then, right? So, like, you wonder if, like, well, this kid is doing really great right now, and I know he didn't produce that much in the pro league, right? But mm-hmm. you wonder if maybe his he doesn't have quite as much upside, yeah, right? If he's and, and already just, big and he's already physically mature. And, and when I say that, I mean, take it with, like, a choking hazard size green of salt because uh-huh. again i haven't Choking watched hazard. him play it's many games okay. Yeah, yeah. okay and it's just, just a feeling i have and it's I, I will admit that it's not really based on much tangible but Views. just when i read about him i, I just think God, this everything everything like this is it's just in my head it's nagging at me that mm-hmm. this guy could be a really big bust he could be so, they so all could i don't be, want him to be because again i i like when the prospects no matter who drafts them do well because it's just more new blooded and exciting talent into the nhl which yeah. i always root for but and young players are so fun to watch like when they're, yeah, they're exactly, so fast yeah. and i always want them all to do well it's, um, there's something really mind-boggling when you see like a 19 20 year old kid come into the nhl and immediately yeah be good you're like holy mm. crap like <laughs> yeah so, so i just worry a little bit about him but it just could be just me <laughs> here's a here's a little data point here okay okay here we go. um john on the some, fly uh, on the fly pulled some math out. over the last 10 years uh-huh. 10 drafts the fourth overall five have been defensemen and five have been forwards oh, interesting so it's split okay. right down the middle who are they tell me who the here, were. here's a here's a couple okay i don't know if you've heard of these guys okay adam larson heard of him 2011 yeah so mitch marner ever heard of him heard of him yeah um <laughs> This guy, Kale McCarr, don't throw okay. Kale at my car. Okay, let's <laughs> let's temper expectations. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Um, but We're you know, Kale McCarr? Brady Kachuk, uh, Sam Bennett, who I love, Seth Jones is all in the fourth spot, and you can go on and on. There's a one bust in the last ten years, and and that's uh, Griffin Reinhardt, who's mm-hmm. played 37 games mm-hmm. in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a lot. I think he's still playing, but um, yeah, he hasn't he hasn't panned out. But we're gonna get a good player. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, I think we're gonna get a good player. I think if there's, I mean, I trust Ron Francis to do a lot of things right, but if there's one thing he's shown in his track record, him and Robert Crown, what they can do is they can draft good talent. So that's right. I read uh, a, I read a they, data post on and, that. That's right. And they have 12 <laughs> picks to work with in this draft. Uh, and as they, you know, the cool thing too, is like, because they're picking towards the top, then they get to pick towards the top in every round. So that's right. Um, well, not the ones that they got from other teams, well, but we'll probably touch on it, but Nashville is out of the playoffs, Yeah, which means that they will see, that'll be, where are they in the second round? 50. It'll be 50 at the, at the worst. So Seattle will have yeah. three picks in the top 50. Yeah. 
Yep. So, so I'm excited good spot. for draft day more. I mean, I always like the draft day, but I'm 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 really intrigued to see what Francis pulls off because I think he's going to be it's going to be busy. Yep. I think we need to put a little wager on that because I'm not sure it's going to be that busy. So, <laughs> well, even if they make no trades, they're still picking 12 sure, players. Sure, that yeah, so but I think he's speculating. It's going to be busy. He's speculating that it's he's going to maybe make some trades. All right, so that's our draft talk, uh, and there's a lot of it, which is good. Uh, the other Kraken news, we I think we already knew this, though. We had it down here that uh, Morgan Geeky, maybe Geeky, we didn't know. Geeky's the new one, yes. Okay. Yeah. Morgan Geeky's going to uh, Worlds, World Championship along with Chris Drieger, Carson Kuhlman, Adam Larson, and Philip Grubauer. So that is good stuff there. The Kraken also signed a couple of players this week while they re-signed Max McCormick, which I think that's pretty interesting because you might recall that he was picked up like right before training camp last year, and he, or maybe even during was, training it camp, it was near the end of training yeah. camp. Like. And all of a sudden, he showed up, and it was like, oh, yeah. there's a new guy here. Uh, and so he played a few games for the Kraken. He's had a pretty solid season in the AHL, so they signed him to a two-year deal uh, and extended that, which I think is great. They also signed it, signed it, <laughs> woo, <laughs> a off the rails, uh, yeah, a, a yeah. free agent defenseman from the Finnish league named Petro Sepala, who I believe is 21 years old. Andy, do you know much about him? Nope. Okay. He's from Finland. <laughs> yeah. He's playing for some team called like Hukuk or something like that. Cuckoo. Cuckoo, which Cuckoo, I, yeah. I enjoy that a lot. I, uh-huh. I think he had the most points of defenseman on his yeah. team, like as a 21-year-old. And I he's young, that's and yeah. that's a good pro league. I yep. think the team, the city is called Cuckoo, and then the team is called the Kachus. If I'm not mistaken, I've heard we've need we need more fins on the team. Okay, so I saw yeah. a couple people yeah. say that. Yeah, actually. from what they've told us is he's he's got some offensive upside. So and Kamel we'll could be the spot. There you go. Yeah, yeah. he could he could talk to Kamel. Yeah. Or maybe or maybe <laughs> maybe that's a tip on how France is going to draft because he wants a finish another Finnish player. What if in. Arizona really likes Kamel though? Mm. Yeah, could be. But See, we're back to that now. They need they need more <laughs> fins in Coachella Valley. That's where I think this guy will end up. But I think he'll. I mean, I think there's there's a, a need for a little more offensive line. So I think he's got a shot, just like Wrecker Evans does. If they come in and have one mm, of them, they probably both won't make it. But if they come in and have, f- really let's camps, future podcast that because I'm I don't know about the room that they have right now, contract room. Right. So, uh, by the way, I just wanted to mention I wanted to talk about this last week, but totally forgot in our like Kraken roundup. Uh, as you know, end of the season roundup that we did last week, there was a very funny thing that happened at, I think it was the last home game during morning skate. Yanni Gord came out to do a press conference (laughs) and this guy comes in and there's always these TVs on like stands, like AV class kind of TVs on stands. Well, like a climate pledge screensaver. Yeah. And I think they probably use them for like zoom when it's on zoom is my guess. Right. I don't really know what they use them for. Anyway, they're always sitting there like on the stage next to the podium, this guy walks in, he's like, Hey, you guys using these TVs? And one of the PR people was like, Nope, go ahead. And so, uh, he grabs <laughs> it and starts moving it, realizes it's plugged in. So it's like, Oh, I got to unplug this. And as he's starting to do this, Yanni Gord actually comes in and sits down and starts doing his press conference. So this guy is behind the background thing. they like step and repeat or whatever that thing's called. And he's like rummaging around trying to figure out what cord and it's making all this noise. And the, background is literally shaking <laughs> and Yanni's sitting there like answering questions but there's this loud noise and I, I look over at Andy and see him chuckling and then I start chuckling and I'm like oh this is gonna this is gonna go off the rails quick and then credit to Lindsay Brown from the PR at the Kraken because she finally just like sticks her head behind the background she's like 
can you just do that when we're done? <laughs> we really just needed like five minutes. If it you just could have waited like five minutes. Was was Yanni uh, like, what the hell is going to be? No, he, he, he just wasn't kept going. He was unfazed. Not game at face? all reacting to Total it. Total game face. He's right. a pro. Yeah. But what I was just thinking is like, if I were that guy and an NHL player came and sat down two feet away from me with a room full of media people asking him questions <laughs> and I'm making a bunch of noise and like shaking stuff. And there's stuff, cameras and... Yeah, it's stuff. pretty yeah. obvious. I what's think happening. I personally would have like just backed away, you know, and just come back later. But uh, it was a very, very funny moment. I wanted to make sure that we shared that because I totally forgot that we uh, didn't talk about it last week. Uh, hey, down on the farm, moo! <laughs> the Charlotte Checkers are finally underway in the AHL playoffs. I know that uh, they had a bye through the first round. They had a good result in the first game. They came back. I think they were down 2-0. Alex True scored two goals, and Gustav Olofsson had the game-winning goal. So a nice Kraken flavor there. And who else scored in this one, John? Austin Zarnick, yep. the former Seattle Kraken. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so Kraken legend. In short pretty game. nice. A lot of goals scored by Kraken-affiliated players That's in right. some capacity. Do you guys see who the goalie is for the Bridgeport Islanders? Is it Corey Schneider? It is Corey Schneider. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How do you like that? Uh, okay, so that's our AHL update. Did you see... Oh, hold on real quick. Uh-huh. The format's really weird. It's very strange. They had a bye. They felt like they were off forever. Well, not, not so much that, but Charlotte is playing the first two games in Bridgeport. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the last three games in a five-game series in Charlotte, hmm. even though Charlotte is the higher seed. Very Do strange. we know why that is? Is that normal or Less is that just travel. building? I don't know if that's building issues because sometimes, like in, I, mean, I should like, have looked at that. Yeah. I apologize. In those lower level yeah. leagues, you get building issues and wacky stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know who's got the Bojangles Coliseum rented out. Right, week. but it's NC State also shared facilities, so I can't imagine there was much going on there yeah. unless it's like know. a graduation thing or something. Yeah, I mean, there's a concert that could have been booked a, a long time for ago. Gradu- well, no. I just had to truly think about, like, what month is it? Is this when graduation would happen? I don't know. <laughs> Technically, some colleges, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so that's our AHL update from down on the farm. And then we also have a WHL update with our WHL correspondent, Andy Ad. Hello, Andy. Yeah, the playoffs are continuing uh, locally here, uh, Seattle and Portland. Portland won, won the first two games of their, of their second-round series, and they're playing tonight. And we saw Seattle had a lead through two, but that doesn't won't mean much. But – um, it's now three nothing, so maybe it will be good for them today. Okay, um, yeah, they, we're recording. They had, they had leads in both the first two games. Seattle did and, and came back. Portland came back. True, we're recording Wednesday night, so yeah. that game is still going on. And so, uh, yeah, that's we thought that would be a tight series. The, the first two games were extremely close, uh, one goal games basically. I think uh, Portland got an empty netter in the first game, but uh, basically a one goal game. I know Darren was at the first game. I was. So that was, was fun. I. Yep. Um, yeah, wife and I just went as a nice little, a fan. Nice little date night. Yeah, it was yeah, I was cheap. I, I got a press conference. I actually, that release. might be the first game I've watched where I just was like in the stands just watching a game in, I don't know how long, like two years now probably. Oh, that's a good point because you didn't go to any games last year because it was uh, they were all- Maybe three years. No attendance. Pre-COVID. Yeah, I no went attendance. to, yeah. I mean, I went to an Everett game during COVID. I was like the only one in the building. <laughs> <laughs> but I was but, there as as media because I was uh, talking to Olin Zellweger. So I, I it was it was interesting to be back in the crowd. Um, it is a it's a fun crowd there. They they are rambunctious. And I got to say, you know, it's funny because I like I certainly was pulling for the Thunderbirds over Portland, but it's not like I have this deep seated fandom for the Thunderbirds. So I think I'm still like pretty level headed about it. The fans were really up in arms about the refs in Game One, which I thought was interesting because. I didn't see anything like that egregious. The only thing I saw was that Uh-oh. there wasn't... Well, I know Thunderbirds fans are going <laughs> to yeah. tell me how wrong I am here. Shame him. 
Well, okay, I have I have a follow-up to this in a moment, but what I was going to say is the only thing I saw in that game one, Andy, was late in the game there was a kind of a questionable call that didn't go for the Thunderbirds, and then Korchinski got called like, like a minute later, shift, yeah. right? And that led to the winning goal, which was late in the game. And I did think that that call for that period of the game, which was like five minutes left, I thought it was pretty soft for that stage of the game. Yep. But those two little things were the only – you know, and I there are fans like flipping off the refs and like. <laughs> well, there's that's going to happen no matter what. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what's going on in the game? <laughs> so then, so that's me as the level-headed like bystander kind of right, like watching this game more or less neutral. Like obviously, like I said, I'm pulling for yeah. the Thunderbirds, but I'm not that invested. Then I watch the Wild on Tuesday night, and I'm screaming obscenities at my <laughs> at my TV right as soon as a call goes against the Wild, and then they get scored on. So did the refs? Uh, did they did they screw over the Wild? I mean, I thought they did. I, <laughs> I'm just tired of all the penalties in the NHL playoffs, which is a nice segue into our playoff talk, which Ooh. is what we have coming up next. Uh, frankly, and it's it's been all throughout this whole first series across the league, they've called it very much like a regular season game, regular season games, and maybe even more so. Like, there's so many penalties. And the thing that's frustrating for me to swing it right into some minutiae is that I think the, <laughs> like the Wild specifically should be a – built like a great playoff team because they're a really good five on five team. And usually there aren't a lot of play uh, penalties, right? But for whatever reason, they're calling a ton of penalties. And I think that's working against certain teams. So uh, what I wanted to talk about the playoffs though, is uh, just kind of get your guys idea of what your favorite series has been so far. Uh, we're at a point now where, well, Colorado has swept Nashville. So that one's over. Every other series has been pretty good though. Like two to two, three to two kind of scores in the series. What's been your favorite so far, Andy? Um, so far, a, a little bit of a surprise, mm-hmm. maybe. Although I did a bracket challenge and I had this one going the way it's going right now. Sure, is the I sure went and checked the other day because I thought, didn't I pick this team to win? Mm-hmm. But it's the Pittsburgh New York New York series. Okay. Um, got off to a funky start with a spicy chicken. That's right. Yep. And broccoli. Can't uh-huh. forget the broccoli. Um, and then tonight, today was a crazy game where Pittsburgh had a big lead and and, and gave it up. Uh, New York came back, and now there's the possibility of Crosby being hurt. Yeah. Overall, in the playoffs, it's interesting because the first like two or three games, I thought, man, there's a lot of blowouts. Not very. The yeah, games, it was weird. The games weren't very intriguing, but there mm-hmm. was a lot of back and forth. Where one like the Toronto uh, Tampa series, it was either blowout or bust. Like Toronto blew out Tampa Bay in game one, and then Tampa did the same to them in game two. And it was back and forth like that. The last game they had, game uh, five, I guess it was, was it was a hell of a game. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that way. So, I thought they've, I think they've gotten better. The playoffs have as they've progressed. We're starting to see some what we what we normally think of when we think of playoff games. So wait, what's your favorite? The Pittsburgh. New York Pittsburgh. Okay, John. Yeah, I've I've kind of loved that series as well. well I had um, to triple overtime too, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that helps. I I guess one series I'm surprised about is the Stars and Flames. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm better matchup than you were expecting yeah just because i thought that was i thought i thought the flames were going to roll through and certainly not um the games all the games that's probably the tightest series as far as the games and now flames are up three two on dallas so uh that's been kind of entertaining and and something i didn't expect to enjoy that much where the other games like you said toronto and tampa and we'll get to another reason another (laughs) kind of comment there but but like that should be the most exciting, but the games have been pretty brutal one way or the other. Yeah, except so. for the last one. Yeah. Right? But yes, you're right. I do think that one's been kind of fun, though, just for the pageantry of it, because like, yeah. 
Tampa Bay against it's just a great on on paper it's, it's a, a great story, matchup. Yeah. yeah. Uh my favorite series so far has been Florida against Washington. I think Oof. that's been super back and forth. It's been like holy crap the the Panthers who won the President's Trophy are going to bow out right away to the Capitals. Yeah. Uh the game I think it was game 5. What are they at now? They just had game they just had game five. Five tonight. So it must have been game four, yeah. uh, where it looked like the Capitals were about to, that's what it was. They were about to take uh, a 3-1 lead. They go for the empty net, hit the outside of the post, <laughs> right? You're like, oh, wow, just missed sealing that one. And instead, the Panthers tie it, send it to overtime, win in overtime. Now it's 2-2 two to two in that series. And now the Panthers win again on Wednesday night and take a 3-2 lead. Also it's coming like, from behind. And you think about where, you know, they were a, a, an inch from being behind three to one and Washington having absolute full control over the series. And now it's three to two Panthers two days later. I I like the Panthers. I was happy they've gotten back into it. I was a little worried about them early on because it looked like capitals. Well, they capitals were giving them all they could. And (laughs) it looked like a classic situation where the Panthers were built for the regular season. Right. It sure Um, did look like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's my theory too on Colorado is like Colorado rolled past Nashville, but I don't think Nashville was very good. And I think they barely snuck in, but I wonder what happens to them in the second round. You know, I just, that's always the team that you're like, Oh, they're, they're so good. And I think they're better this year than they have been in other years, mm-hmm. but are they really built to, to win in the playoffs? Like I know they just swept, but like they, they have, they flip and dominated. I know they dominated. I know. That. I mean, I'm, Nashville I'm had though, their backup goalies, right? Yeah. So, but there's some health issues for Colorado's goalie too. Yeah. Kind of oh, that's right. In the eye, that's so. right. Um, but I mean, <laughs> I just wonder, I, I, I think they're, they're still probably cup favorites, but I, they, they still have to prove it to me. You know, I think they've been cup favorites for me so many years in a row that I've just, I, I'm like, all right, just show me that you're the cup favorite now. Go out and do it. Um, we'll see. We'll see. That's anyway, why they play the games, Darren. That's true. <laughs> you know, I, the thing that I wanted to mention, though, on Tampa Bay versus Toronto is that this has been a reminder that when Tampa Bay switched to straight up <laughs> blue and white uniforms that looked exactly like the Toronto Maple Leafs uniforms, somebody should have balked at that and been like, wait a minute, you're wearing Toronto Maple Leafs uniforms because it is so damn confusing <laughs> to watch those series. Yeah. And- I- <laughs> Honestly, I'm having a really hard time with it. You have to and, stop and think, where is this game being played to figure yeah, out who's wearing yeah, yeah. It's really hard to, and you know, you see fans in the crowd that are wearing white and blue jerseys, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like, I I cannot wrap my head around which team is which here. It's very hard. I agree. It's a, it's 100% confusing. Yeah. It makes me think that like, maybe I understand what you go through sometimes when red teams play against green <laughs> yeah. teams. That's a good point. We talked you about know. those um, They should have made yeah. one of those teams wear like an alternate third Jersey in right. each one of those games, like that's like a totally different color. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they but have the you black still would Justin be like, what, who's the other team, right? Like you wouldn't. Maybe, but I think if it was stark enough of a difference, like don't don't didn't Toronto have those uh, St. Patrick Day green ones? Yeah, that, that and one. they okay, had the well, Justin Bieber black jerseys. And the yeah. Bolts have the Bolts. That's right. Jerseys. I don't know if the black ones could still be tricky though, because both teams I think have a uh, third that's black my jersey. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm out. I'm out. I'm just not going to watch this series anymore. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's too just mail it in. Uh, there's also been a lot of goalie interference calls and non-calls. John, do you have a, a hot take on this? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a carryover from the regular season, too, okay. because I felt, you know, the Kraken definitely had their fair share of um, goalie interference calls go against them one way or the other, whether it's uh, pulling a goal back or not not pulling a goal back. Um, mm-hmm. 
Specifically, it was related to the Predators when um, somebody ran into the Predators goalie, turned into a goal. They reviewed it. It was, At the time, it, the goal made it 3-3. Coaches challenge. They reviewed it. It was determined no goalie interference. So then they're charged a penalty. Colorado goes on to score a goal in that penalty, and the race is on from there. They scored two or three more. It totally, To me, it changed the game quite a bit. And I just think... If it's so subjective, they either shouldn't be allowed to review it, the coaches, or there shouldn't be consequence for the review. The penalty for, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh-huh. it's it's way too subjective. And and I don't think, because nobody knows specifically what it is, <laughs> it, it to me, this, this looked obvious goalie interference. Obvious goalie interference. But Where did the contact happen? I guess at the top of the crease. Yeah. So that's the thing. And, you know, I don't think we talked about this in the podcast last week, did we? I think we just talked about it offline. The... We talked a little bit about the Rangers okay. piece. Uh, yeah. Which is essentially, and down goes Brown, front of the pod, wrote a story about this years ago, that it literally is just as simple as where did the contact happen? If the contact happened inside the crease, it's usually going to be goalie interference. If the contact happened outside but of the crease, it's usually not going to That be. is not how the rule is written. Okay. And if it was written that way, mm-hmm. there you go. Well, Fair that's enough. how it's called. It, but it's not written that way. It's not always called that I don't know. I way. haven't read the rule, so it's, yeah, it's I can't not always, argue with it's you. It's not always it. called that way, but m- yeah. mostly. And I think so, that's the guiding principle, though. But it's not in the rule. Then, then they should communicate that better, and then you wouldn't see so many challenges made for... To me, it, it, the consequence is too huge for something so subjective. And then they don't review the objective pieces like we were talking earlier about uh, pucks over the glass, like delay of games. And to me, it's like offsides is pretty – it's been – I think the reviews have been pretty good. Um, sometimes they don't quite nail it because the angle's not perfect or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think it's been fine. I, I've never liked the idea that if you challenge – if you think that there was a missed call and you challenge it and you're wrong – that you that you get called a penalty that you get a penalty call that don't have to kill off a power play. I've never I think that's just too harsh of a of a of a response. And now I mean it can really sway some games sometimes too, right? If if you get a goal that you think is goalie's interference and they say no, it's a good goal. And now you get a penalty. The other team scores again. I mean, now, the, you, now you've now you've really altered a game by the, the officials. The intent there is to not not make, have a bunch of challenges. Yeah, right? and just kind of be like ah, uh, you know. Oh, I lose my timeout. I'm going to go ahead and challenge I think that, it. That's a perfectly and, good and delays the game. But yeah. yeah, that's why I think maybe take goalie interference off the table and have those all kind of be reviewed. If there's any kind reviewed, of contact or yeah, any kind like, of person, like touchdowns, right? Make in the, the NFL, make the penalty yeah. subjective. And if the ref deems that the challenge is so egregious, then he can be like, "You suck for calling that." I'm going to give you a. Oh, see, I don't like that though because then you're, yeah. now you're, now you're <laughs> I putting. I mean, I, I've it. thought about that. Just I to think be clear, it's less yeah. than the out the the punitive part of it. Yeah. Like, so here's the rule, John. It says goals should be disallowed if number one, an attacking player either by his positioning or contact impairs the goalkeeper's ability to move freely within his crease or defend his goal. Or two, an attacking player initiates, had a hard time with that word, more than <laughs> incidental contact with a goalkeeper inside or outside of his goal crease. Hmm. Incidental contact with a goalkeeper will be permitted and resulting goals allowed when such contact is initiated outside of the goal crease. Wait, what was the second piece, though? I thought you said where it's... So if the contact happens, right, where the player initiates the contact... Inside or outside of the crease. Okay. Like, meaning there's some leeway if he's getting pushed. Right, right. Right? Okay. More leeway if he's outside of the crease. Okay. 
But if it's inside of the crease and there's a small bump, like we saw in that the Rangers game at the beginning of the yeah. playoffs, right? It was a small bump. It didn't really change the guy's trajectory that much. Yeah. That contact happened in the crease, so that was goalie interference. Yeah. I, I, based on that rule you just read, and mm-hmm. that was uh, a, a handful to digest on the fly, <laughs> I still think that Nashville should have been goalie interference and the goal disallowed, mm-hmm. right? Based on just... Maybe, but there's a. I, I know what you're talking about, and I'm, I never actually saw the video, but I saw still frames. And there's definitely contact, I believe, between the players, right? And then the initial contact with the goalie seemed to happen outside of the crease. And that's where the. That's, I think it was pretty close, though, right? Like, yeah. I, it could have been on the top of the crease. Well, the uh, I, fact of the matter is, goalie interference continues to be a bit of a conundrum, yeah. an enigma wrapped up in a mystery, and it's cool. as mysterious as why we are calling this episode the Ron Francis episode. We <laughs> still haven't gotten to the bottom yeah. of that. Uh, all right, that's pretty much our, our playoff talk. We have some segments to move on to, and our first segment is John and Andy's favorite segment. <laughs> Bad boys? Bad boys. Yes. Darnell Nurse has been suspended one game for doing what, Andy? Well, in a game against the LA Kings, who uh-huh. they were playing in the first round, he headbutted to know. Uh-huh. Philip Deneau? Yes. You uh-huh. can't do that. Right. It's really ugly. It's kind of like mind-boggling why he did that at that part. Like, what, what did you, like, did you just lose it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's a little bit of, like, a stick check back and forth. Nothing super egregious. And then he turns around and just puts his helmet right into Deneau's mouth. Deneau's been that kind of a known to get under people's skin, too, so. Sure, but... You can't, you not justifiable. Not, I'm not trying to justify it. It's the playoffs. Like, 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 you know, write his number down or something. And yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty ugly. I think very ugly, dirty play by um, yeah. Darnell Nurse. And I, it's one of those things that happens kind of fast. You wonder, like, maybe there's some gray area and he didn't mean to do that. But Ooh, it, looks pretty, it looks pretty pretty clear that he tried yeah. to hit him with his head, which uh, looks dirty. Also, uh, we didn't mention it last week, but Jared Spurgeon's cross check on uh, Bushnevich across his ankle when his foot was down oh, the ice. Yeah. Did you guys see that one? Yes, I yeah. did. That was also filthy. I did. <laughs> Jared Spurgeon is not that kind of player, and it was. I was like kind of embarrassed. I was like, I can't believe he just did that. That was I, disgusting. I'm not surprised he didn't. He did not get suspended because I've seen Corey Perry do that to goalies before. <laughs> so, so seen Corey Perry stomp on a guy's ankle. No, I. Skates. Well, I, I haven't seen that, but I know it was. It was kind of ugly, but I don't. Know. It was out of character for him too. Yeah, I know really that was clean, weird. Clean, not. That kind of and that's player, not very Minnesota nice. Not very Minnesota nice, <laughs> that is true. All right, that wraps up our bad boys. Yeah, I have an update on that. Okay. Uh, another bad Hawks boy? Game. Oh. Oh, we're going back to WHL update? Well, just because I WHL just checked the score. And 2.0. It's now in the third period, and Seattle has burst open a 5 nothing lead. Oh, okay. So that's going to be three a, in the third. likely a 2-1 series. Looks that way. Correct. Okay. Uh, we now move on to you don't see that every day. Our first, uh, we have two of them. Our first, you don't see that every day, is from the Boston Bruins Carolina Hurricanes series. Brad Marchand scores an empty netter, <laughs> and everyone's favorite player, man, two two guys that everybody loves across the league here. Brad Marchand. I like Marchand more and more every day. I got to say, he's grown on me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. See, he's fun. Uh, Tony D'Angelo is trying to chase him down. He's nowhere near him, and he just whips his stick. Straight up, this is what you would do like on the pond, right? <laughs> when somebody gets a breakaway and there's no goalie and, and he's just skating in by himself, you just whip your stick and hope that it knocks the puck off. <laughs> Which, uh, if yeah. it does knock the puck off, isn't that they, don't they award the it's goal? It's a goal anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, give a penalty. and Tony D'Angelo actually, I think, explained this 
afterwards, which was that I just didn't really want to see the puck go in the net. So like clearly he's going to score no matter what. So I'm just going to throw my stick at him. Not give him that satisfaction. Right. <laughs> and those <laughs> yeah. two would add it a couple times. Like, you know, they, they had I'm some a, word I'm, with each other. During yeah. The Marshawn game. called him a I'm, racist. I'm actually okay with Tony D'Angelo's approach there. I kind of like yeah. the yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's pretty good. Like I get it. if it's a hundred percent, he's going to score. No matter like, I don't want to see a rash of sticks yeah. being thrown because there's a safety issue technically. But it might also like maybe temper the crowd a little bit if it doesn't go all the way in, you know, they might not know it's what just the more is. like and and i like how he explained it right yeah. so uh from that same series our other you don't see that every day <laughs> seth jarvis took a friendly fire slap shot in an area that you don't want to take a slap shot <laughs> and apparently he's been in a world of hurt uh he was quoted by sarah sivian saying that uh, on his quote-unquote lower body injury everything hurts <laughs> she tweeted he says he can play and skate fine and everything feels fine when wearing compression shorts. And he didn't want to get into too much detail, but when he's in regular clothes, it hurts. Oh, <laughs> I don't like that story. Which, which tells me, I mean, tells me you got to just go with compression shorts at all hours of the day. Now, yeah. I will say, as somebody who's worn compression shorts for an extended period of time at, on many occasions in my life, that also gets very uncomfortable, though, right? At some point, you got to release things, you know? <laughs> That's tough. That's a tough scenario there. I don't envy him at all. Uh, and I think that's one of those things that like every male hockey fan on the planet or every male on the planet sees something like that happens and goes, ah, yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm not him right now. He did have two goals on, that's true. on Tuesday night. That's so, true. Yeah. Uh, so he bounced back. Two goals, one for each injured. Uh, <laughs> never mind. We now move on to our <laughs> weekly one-timers. Uh... Our first... Weekly one-timer. Probably deserved more than just a weekly one-timer. Oh, Darren testing John on the fly. You got me. You got (laughs) me. Didn't see that one coming, did you? No. Barry Trotz was fired by the New York Islanders just like didn't see that weekly one-timer coming. I did not see Barry Trotz getting fired coming. (laughs) No, not a lot of people did. really have seen that. Right. Uh, Yeah, so it sounds like there is a little bit of a rift between him and Lou Lamorello. In some way, it had something to do with uh, the – Opinions of Matt Barzal, allegedly, whoa, whoa, or something allegedly. I saw that tweeted from a reputable source. Yep, there, there are rumors out there that he did not get along with with uh, Barzal Trotz. That is, yeah. Well, I think it was just more about like the style of play that it Trotz, mm-hmm. which makes sense because Barzal is a very offensive player. Trotz is a very defensive coach. Yeah, and often uh, Leo Komarov was on his wing, which probably didn't make Barzal super happy. Mm. That guy's not really a finisher. Okay. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Leo Komarov hasn't played in the league all year. I didn't say this year, did I? Oh, no, oh. you didn't. But uh, I said over time. Nicely done there. Okay. Andy. Okay. And like in the playoffs, the last couple of years, he was on his wing a lot. Uh-huh. I kept thinking, why is Leo Komarov playing with Barzell? That's so, what I thought. But So that was interesting. Um, remember when Barry Trotz was spotted in the Seattle airport <laughs> yes, like, yeah, a I year do. and a half yeah. before the I was team. waiting for that to happen after yeah. this news. Like, he's going wherever he was that time. <laughs> he was making a connection in flip-flops, and people yep. assumed that he had been hired by the Kraken. Uh, you got anyway, any thoughts where he might end up? Oh, I don't know. I, I thought maybe what what did they end up with on uh, in Winnipeg? Is he? Uh, is no, that's an open vacancy. Yeah, and right. they're Lowry saying is is part of their search. He's he's a candidate, so he's basically he can apply for the interim job. He, just he can had. apply. Yeah. And Barry Trotz definitely fits the mold of who Chuck Fletcher would hire mm-hmm. to follow firing Mike Yo, right? Which he's 
done before. Last time he hired Bruce Boudreaux, which was like the retread, you know, he's going to come in and be successful because now Chuck Fletcher only has one hire left probably if he doesn't get fired. Yeah. Too. I, I, so I, maybe I, Philadelphia. I right? think Philadelphia actually yeah. that's, um, but there's a lot of the Canadian media is trying to kind of tie into Winnipeg because Trotz is from Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Oh, that's close. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, he's he's, he's probably going to choice his chances to do that before. The one thing has. that that could happen though is uh, the Islanders block the discussion with Philadelphia because it's interconference, so mm. interdivision. Okay. So it, whether it was about Barzell or not, it was a weird firing because this offseason the Islanders really didn't do a whole lot to improve their roster. In fact, they lost. Players. Well, uh, they started you know the thirteen game road that, trip. Well, that to also, start. yeah, like but that's tough. I saw a lot of people thinking they'd be really good this year because they went to the conference final last year. Mm-hmm. And I think and they took before. they took Tampa Bay to game seven. Mm-hmm. And so I I mean it's kind of one of those fluky years. I don't know what their injury story was, but I mean one year, I don't know. I, I guess Yeah. It felt Lou Lamorell's a little crazy with this yes. stuff too. So like <laughs> he, gets a way the yeah. he has an itchy trigger figure when yeah. it comes yeah. to coaches. So speaking of guys being fired, our favorite TV analyst, Pierre Maguire. <laughs> our who, favorite former TV analyst. That's right. Yeah. Uh he was Hopefully working he former. for yeah, was meaning he? He was like the, he's our favorite because he's former. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. He was like the the president of hockey development or something VP like that. VP player development for yeah. the Senators. Uh, so he got fired after, I believe, less than 10 months on the job. Well, and there was a lot of speculation when he was hired that he would be the next GM, mm-hmm. where Pierre Diorian would be uh, fired eventually, and Pierre Maguire would slip in there now. Because they have to have a Pierre. Right. Because <laughs> At least that yeah. was the theory at the time. Now, it could be no coincidence that it's right after Eugene That's Melnick has passed that, away, yeah. right? Um, and that was a Melnick hire, probably. And it sounds like very interesting yeah i, I know i, I saw angle, a lot of people yeah. talking about like yeah. well, what has he done has he had a, you can't really blame him for having a bad draft or anything well apparently he wasn't doing much right well, he but must also, not have been a favorite amongst the rest of the organization based on his title of being something with development right like how does that job only last for 10 months yeah, how, know, do you, like, how do you screw up player development so <laughs> bad months. in less than a season? <laughs> no, I mean it's obviously like a personality thing i mean yeah. it's, I it's think like, so too. Well, it's, that's what that all points to that though like you wouldn't think it, you would fire a guy who has that. I job. just didn't develop him fast enough. So yeah. I think I think what John was saying is right. There's other issues there. Yeah, that and out. yeah. Our next weekly one timer, Patrick. We wrote Marceau here, but I think we <laughs> meant Marlowe has retired. First off, who is Patrick Marceau? Andy. <laughs> well, I'm not the one who wrote that. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui, I'm Patrick Marceau. He's a he's a Gatineau legend in the queue. Uh-huh. Yeah. I played the most games in the QMJHL For the in Gatineau. 1994. Cool. You're making fun of people with thick French accents now. Is that wee oui, wee? Oui. Of course I am. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Patrick Marlowe, do you have any sats about him, John? Was that funny? Was that a funny bit? I sure. thought it was kind of funny. It, if we thought it was funny, funny, that's all that matters. Listeners will let you know. All right. I don't know. I, I, there's probably a few Francophones out there that are mad offended now. by that. But yeah. that can't be. I mean, we had Pepe Le Pew for crying out loud. Like, it's probably okay to do a French accent <laughs> once in a while. We did have Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. Right? Has yeah. he been canceled? I'm pretty sure he was canceled a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, he man. was He was kind of a creeper, too. Yeah, which, he was very yeah. much a creeper. Yeah. So maybe he got canceled for that. Yeah. I don't think it was... Yeah. Uh, Anyway, John, uh, do you have any <laughs> enough about Pepe Le Pew? John, do you have any stats about Patrick Marlowe? <laughs> uh, Patrick Marlowe, uh, 
former San Jose Shark, uh-huh. played 1,779 games in the NHL. Okay. And you know what that is? It's an NHL record. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've talked about him before. Now, what's interesting is he didn't even play the last year, so mm-hmm. the last season. I kind of thought he already had retired. <laughs> Well, he never announced it. I and, guess that's the thing. Here. And obviously, um, I actually watched his uh, retirement kind of ceremony and everything. Very cool. He still lives in San Jose. Most people will know this if they've listened to this podcast for about a year. Marlowe is a former Seattle Thunderbird. That's um, right. And played at the arena formerly known as Key Arena. So uh, they'll probably retire his number. Uh, he would was think so. Uh, yeah. Sure. yeah. Uh, debatable if he's Hall of Fame. I bet he will be just based on that record because that's like one of those that's one of those records that i think people probably didn't think would be broken yeah you know? so i i bet he is just yeah I, I mean I, I think i see it debated mm-hmm. and he was he, he wasn't like the most outspoken guy um but he was a very nice person and i think that goes a long way when it comes to the people that vote on this uh <laughs> interesting. which is very kind of weird but yeah. uh anyway patrick marlowe seattle thunderbird legend and san jose shark legend hangs him up yeah congratulations to you also congratulations to patrick marceau who is probably listening as <laughs> yeah. well no. uh, our final weekly one-timer Michaela grant mentis has signed the largest contract in professional women's hockey history which is pretty cool uh with the buffalo buttes of the phf so i was looking into it it's still not huge it's uh i think it's 80k a year but you know that's at least a, a good livable salary for somebody and that's a far cry from what we've seen in the past for oh, yeah. contracts yeah. um so that's a great step in the right direction uh a little about grant mentis she previously played with buffalo uh she started her career in the phf which then it was the nwhl with the buffalo buttes then she went to toronto six and she won the mvp award and now she's back with buffalo so uh good for her i think that's pretty cool i, I love seeing stuff like that that we're continue to push um, salaries into a more legitimate range for women's health. Yeah, I mean, the economics are improving. Yep. You know, like, I, you can't pay people money that you don't have. So um, it's obviously progressing and things are getting better. And uh, I think I saw a report that some of the Canadian uh, players that are part of the PHWPA uh-huh. have been uh, sending out feelers on oh. on potentially playing in the PHF. Ah, so interesting. Okay. Yeah, cool. I mean it's kind of a tipping point, and yeah, and mm-hmm. I know they were getting significantly on average a lot less than the 80k, but 80k is a, certainly enough to live on, mm-hmm. um, particularly play like a you know a six month period, and usually they these players have to have other jobs. So it, this is again step in the right direction. Really good to see. Those are our weekly one timers. We now move to our tweets of the week. Andy, your tweet of the week. My tweet of the week has a high chance of flopping because it's mostly visual. <laughs> okay. But it comes from Pete, <laughs> Pete Blackburn. <laughs> All right. Just being honest. Uh-huh. Lowering lowering the expectations. <laughs> and this has come this this tweet came after the triple overtime in game 1 between uh Pittsburgh and New York. And he he tweets out when you spend 6 hours just to watch your team lose to Louis Deming and he's got a clip from friends. <laughs> When they all went to a Rangers game and Ross got hit with a puck, yeah, and Joey says one. hockey was a bad idea, <laughs> okay. wearing a Rangers jersey. Yeah, you got to kind of see it. Look it, it flopped. up. Flopped a little. It flopped. Yeah. it flopped a little. Look it up, Pete Blackburn. John. To, to be fair, though, the, the tweet I wanted 
I uh-huh. went through the notes to add. Darren had already added. Okay. So. Well, I was going to kick it over to John to do his tweet of the week if he has one, which I doubt. Um, but now that you've <laughs> teed me up like that, I might as well read my tweet of the week, which comes from Thomas Drance, who covers uh, Andy's Edmonton Canucks, Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> uh, it says, just one year, I want to see mascots representing NHL teams at the NHL draft lottery. Fly them to Toronto, have them do over-the-top disappointing reactions when the team doesn't win. I would watch the hell out of that. And I think that's a fantastic idea. So do I. Yeah, fully support. John, your tweet of the week. All right. So um, the NHL tweeted, after mm-hmm. 1,779 games, Patrick Marlowe has announced his retirement from the NHL. Okay. Congrats on a historic career. And the Carolina Hurricanes responded with, congrats on a great career, Patrick. You did it the right way on and off the ice. Your time as a hurricane will never be forgotten. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What was it? Was like they traded him. He was to Carolina and then bought him Toronto out. Toronto right? yeah. traded him to Carolina and then they bought him out immediately. <laughs> so it was Sam all Jay. in the off season. He never, obviously, he probably, probably never went there. <laughs> stepped foot other than when he was playing uh, for the Sharks and and Toronto. So good yeah. stuff. Uh, I have an honorable mention tweet. Oh. So so the new GM of the Canadians, Kent Hughes. Uh, so they won the lottery, right? Which we talked about. So they're the number one pick. Uh, he his name is Kent Hughes. He says, I can promise you that the number one overall pick won't be Jack Hughes, which is his son, not the Jack Hughes we talked that's about right. earlier. There's a second Jack Hughes that's completely unrelated to He's the aforementioned Jack Hughes. So Jack Hughes, his son, retweeted it and wrote, big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> big Love mistake it. not taking me as your number one pick. Um, I do think that kid's supposed to be like a first second, round. Second round. Second round. Second round. Interesting. We close the show. With Sound of Hockey's Three Stars. Andy, your star of the week. My star of the week is Seth Jarvis, the uh-huh. aforementioned Seth Jarvis. Yep. Friend of the pod. Survived yep. a puck to a to a hard place. A sensitive area. Yes, and uh, he, but he scored two goals in mm-hmm. that big win for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um and, and there's a cool sound of hockey moment here because Seth Jarvis, as we know, is friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. So last night after all the games, uh, ESPN had their one of their shows on. They were kind of recapping the night's uh, events. And Barry Melrose was the host of that show, also a friend of the pod. That's yeah. right. They kicked it to Emily Kaplan in Carolina interviewing Seth Jarvis. Friend of the pod. Emily Kaplan, friend of the pod. I was like, <laughs> My gosh, this is like yeah. the Sound of Hockey segment <laughs> yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah. All these people appeared on our show. It kind of blew my mind a little bit. I love there that. has been a lot of uh, Sound of Hockey friend of the pods um, appearances in the playoffs, right? That's true. Um, Ray Ferraro. That's right. There. Yep. Yeah. So obviously Barry John Melrose. John Forsland is doing some games. Uh, Wyshynski's doing a lot of stuff. Yep. So yeah, yeah. Cool. We're all uh, over the place. We got John, it covered. Your star of the week. My star of the week is Philip Deneau. Oh, because he got uh, headbutted. Because he got headbutted. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. Deneau is, uh, I loved him in Montreal. Plays incredible. Uh, signed with LA um, this last offseason. And is having a heck of a playoff for the LA Kings. Really shutting down uh, Connor McDavid and company. Uh not completely, but doing pretty well. <laughs> as well as you can expect to. Yeah, but he's got he's got five points in five in the first five games of that series, and mm-hmm. that's uh, he's he's a treat to watch. So cool. My star of the week is Carter Verhage, who had five points Wednesday in the topsy turvy game between the Panthers and the Capitals that we talked about earlier. They came back from three zero. Uh, he had five points, two goals, three assists, and in total, he has ten points in five games so far. 
in these playoffs. Pretty impressive. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. How do you like that? Carter Heggie. Uh, okay, that wraps up our show. Uh, thank you to, well, I guess nobody because none of you reviewed us, but thank you to lis- <laughs> for listening at least. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, and maybe you can uh, review us for next week and we'll read it if you put it on Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. Uh, also, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify. We will talk to you all very soon for episode 188. Cheers. Cheers.